Well, hey guys. Hey, what's up? Episode 36. Dude. Gearbuds Podcast. And we've got a very special guest today. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there he is. A man by the name of Joel. Why don't you introduce yourself to the Yeah, folks? I'm Joel Bowman. Um, I work with this guy. Hi. What's up, dude? Hey. It's nice to be here on our days off. Yeah, right. Yeah. We, I, we just it's didn't get enough, enough of, of each other yesterday. <laughs> Had to do it again today. And also, I'm in a band called The Band Royale from right here in Chicago. Oh, yeah. And we just put out a record, and we're playing a record release show very soon. And so this is the ideal time to do this. When is that record yeah, release where, show? Yeah, where and when? It is Lincoln Hall, Wednesday, the 22nd. So that is a week from this coming Wednesday. Excellent. And this will be out on Monday, which is tomorrow. We're recording this on Sunday, for those who don't know. And uh, everyone should be there. We're going to be there. We'll be plugging the the heck out of it because the record's awesome. And we're, we're going to get way deep into the crevasses of everything about that self-titled record. We're going to jump into a couple of our little segments we do. Yeah, let's kick you it know. off. Usually the first thing we, we do every week is called the Symphony of Corrections because we make a lot of mistakes because we're ding-dongs and say a lot of wrong stuff. Uh, and I have to correct it because I have to sit sit there and listen to it every week while I edit it. <clears throat> so uh, we've actually got a, got a handful this week. Yeah. We couldn't remember the name of that Daredevil pedal that uh, they made in... The Ron Ashton. Quant- exactly, the yeah. Ron Ashton. Uh, oh, real cool. The yep. real cool fuzz. See, we needed yeah, you I, last I week because like, we wouldn't... We wouldn't I was no, like, that was corrected this called right the now. Totally Awesome or something. I can't... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it had Ron Ashton's face on yep. it and it got like a cease and desist. That was like early, like Johnny who runs Daredevil. Former he, guest of the former podcast. Guest yeah, for sure. Johnny's a great dude, and he makes incredible stuff, and he's local, obviously. And he literally just like came in one day, like I had to be like eight years ago, seven years ago, to the shop, and just showed up with these cool looking pedals. Is like, hey, I'm Johnny. I'm local. I'm from Logan Square. I build these pedals. You should check them out. And they were sick, and we just started carrying them, and then now they're you know super rad. Now yeah. they're rad, and people love them, and they're well known. But yeah, he makes great stuff. Real cool fuzz. And of course, reference to the song "Real Cool Time" from 1969, amazing record, uh, based on a tone bender. Also, so I've never played that pedal, and I really want to because I've kind of been on a total tone bender thing the past yeah. couple of weeks. He only made a few, wasn't it? A limited run I or something? It, you know, the listing the said twenty. I don't know if that's true or not. Mm-hmm. But that's what it said. Uh, also, uh, voltage levels in Sweden are 230 volts. For those who are wondering, we couldn't remember, even though Brad lives there. Uh, as a guest last week, shout out to Brad. <laughs> he amazing, the ball on that amazing one, episode, huh? dude. That was a funny one. I listened yeah. back, listening back to that one. I was cracking up. Yeah, Maybe we it's just because goofing around. You know, I, I have a huge ego, but old pals. Uh, 230 volts, which is the same as all of Europe, because that shit was standardized back in 2003, which I found out. So That's interesting. yeah, if you're touring over there, you just need to get the 230 volts. Oh, also. Uh, we couldn't remember the name of that Rhodes uh, mythical technician. Yes. Buzz Watson. Buzz Watson. We'll throw back to probably 25 episodes ago. Do you think he went and checked for the... Uh, Absolutely not. Stand? Brad has not. <laughs> Brad has not. He was in He was in full-on Bartleby James mode last night, too. So uh, definitely didn't do that today. But we love you, Brad. Thanks for coming on. And uh, we definitely know you're not listening to this, you fucking prick. Yep. Oh, reminder, cables are now tone tubes. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't and forget. Joel, I don't know if we've talked Ooh, about this yet. That's a weird, that's a weird sounding phrase. Do you have something for our guest well, here? I've got something for our guest here. Is that my own tone tube? Oh, that was a horrible throw by <laughs> me right there. I was trying not to hit my cat. That right there is the second ever inaugural tone tube we've ever gifted. So um, 
when when you have friends like we do who take our jokes too far, you wind up with a whole collection of tone tubes, yep. and that's now a thing. I like these. I'm going to use this. So I think, you know, I was looking at it, and there is a company based out of Canada that sells vacuum tubes called think, Tone Tubes. Uh, so I think maybe the, the only solution is just to change the S to a Z. Because, I mean, what else would you do? Yeah. It's better than, like, tone rods. <laughs> <laughs> that one would be... It you is, could probably not have to change that to a Z. And nobody probably has that name. <laughs> I think we'd be safe yeah. to take that one. What about Tone Roads? Ooh. Anyways, that, was, that wasn't that funny. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Oh, yeah, we're going to NAM next week. Yeah. That's fucking Isn't right. Are you going? No, no. Oh. I've been. Yeah. No, we just kind of send a skeleton crew and then... Yeah, and then like you're, go- it makes sense to go for this. Doing, we're doing the yeah. buds, and but you know, yeah. since there's obvious some obvious crossover there, we'll be doing some hanging for sure. out. Sure, absolutely. Some, oh yeah, absolutely. All that good it's, stuff. It's, Looking it's, forward it's, to it. It's, I would like. To, I'm, I'm curious. It's been a while since I've been, but I mean, Nam doesn't change. It is what nope. it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's just it's the world's. I'll it's, have it's my plugs. It's, it's a giant. It's kind of almost interesting. It's like just going to like a giant mixture of guitar center and like. Hot topic, like a, little, a little bit of like, <laughs> but with it? more celebrities. Yeah, there's like a yeah, celebrity. Yeah, celebrities just walking like, around and just like people checking stuff out because they're just people, they're just, just like people. us. <laughs> but they're, they're like the good type of celebrities too, where they're like kind of, but like not really, but they kind of think they are, and they're kind of hoping you do too. <laughs> In that you. world, they are right. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's oh, like, I hope, I hope you realize, right. you know, I'm I'm that dude from that, you know, that guitar thing. So mm. this is their time to shine. Yeah. Well, I, I can't wait to, to check all the stuff I'm out. I'm stoked, man. I saw they've already started, you know, kind of leaking some of the stuff on the interwebs about what's going to be there. But, you know, I try. I, I, it's almost like a movie trailer. I don't, I don't really like watching movie trailers that much. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just kind of take it all in when I get there. Agreed. Um, so, you know, we'll be doing we'll be doing the stuff from yeah. there. We'll There's be- a lot of like lanyards and then like the you know exactly what I'm talking about, like the, the classic guitar store manager look where yeah. it's like. The, the the all stars with the black with the white toe yep. and like jeans and like kind of like a bowling shirt. Dude, a bowling shirt with like Definitely flames on it or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like classic. And then you'll see that just everywhere. Yeah. That's kind of the best part is the people watching. And then like everyone's looking at what kind of badge you have. Like, is it an artist or who? Like, why are oh, they here? Because they're color coded or something. Yeah, then they have like a letter. Or yeah. Whatever. Um, which yeah. which what color are our? I don't know what the color is, but we're we've get we'll we'll be there as media. Media passes. So exciting. Whatever. Just oh, and playing, uh, playing guitars. A former uh, guest and close friend Dan Liu will be joining us. That's right, dude. Have we talked about that show that I that he played recently that I went and saw? Did we talk about the, it that Cars cover gig? We talked about it, but I think not on the uh, podcast. Oh, dude, did you hear about? Did you hear about this empty bottle covers show that happened? Mm-mm. It was uh, a sort of like local celebrity musician tribute to the Cars that one of our really good buddies and former podcast guest Dan Liu was on, or like a member of. And it was uh, Scott Lucas, Matt Walker on drums, who, I mean, is Morrissey's drummer and his, <laughs> the Pumpkins. And a yeah, bunch he was, of he was like stuff. Jimmy's replacement. Yeah, exactly. Matt Walker. Amazing I, player. I, I randomly got to hang out with Matt Walker in like the weirdest, funnest afternoon day. We have a mutual friend and he was like, hey, I want to take, he's like, he just knew that I knew of Matt Walker. And then it was like his like reference, you know, kind of like, I know this guy. Mm-hmm. But basically, we got to go tour the soundstage where they do... Chicago, everything, Med, PD, Fire, blah, 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 blah. Oh, and right. they did like Empire. We got to go to the Empire Is it, side. Is Goose Island? Yeah. 
and so I just like spent all day doing this tour with you know like Matt Walker and kind of like trying to pick his brain about like playing with like the pumpkins and That's shit. Cool, man. But then also being like, oh, this is like the this is the room where they have the fights on Empire, you know? right? And then here's a piano and everything's like functional. And it's all real. It's like an actual half nightclub facade that just sits there and operates. Yeah. <laughs> so is it like I've never yeah. I've not, I have to admit I've never even seen Empire. I, so I, I don't know I what it's about. But so is, my, it, my is it a music? It. Is it a music thing? Yeah, I think it's about a record label. Yeah, it's like it? a oh, record label, word. kind of like a high stakes Motown modern mm-hmm. but with like I think they toss in like a little bit of like it's like oh no one of the family members is dealing with the mob you know? yeah like it's there's some gangster shit in there I mean yeah, yeah. I, again then speaking of total ignorance I've never mm-hmm. seen it but I'm just assuming by the what I've seen on commercials and gotcha yeah. that's fucking rad yeah, it's random. Is what it so is. Matt Walker, that dude, is the drummer in this project. But my favorite part, oh, and Jason Arducci is an amazing local player. is in a bunch of bands like Bob Mulban. But the lead singer for this project was Michael Shannon, <laughs> and he sang every song <laughs> at the Empty Bottle. Yeah, it's crazy. With it an was intensity. fucking, and it was awesome. It was like he, I mean, he's obviously Michael Shannon. He was badass. And then just having like all these super world class musicians and our buddy Dan playing. Yeah, that's the backing band. Yeah. And it's weird, too, because I'm not even like I didn't think I was the biggest Cars fan before this. I could have named a handful of songs, but there was some stuff. And I was like, oh, never knew that was them. That song fucking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have some bangers hidden in there. They have some good ones that aren't on Best Buy commercials. (laughs) Dude, who's going to drive you home? That's like that song's unbelievable. That's like my favorite, even though it's like late era smash hit. That's still my favorite Cars song. Song makes me want to cry. Oh, I, I honestly don't know the name of that one. They probably played it for all I know. You but, know it if you heard oh, it. Oh, it's, 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 it's super, it's like, like just the sound of it and the way it's recorded, like it kind of set a template for like a million, like, like just if you we hear it, you're the production, it's just got like the way that's like the, it's got like the snare that has like the, like the, yeah, the like delay. it has like, yeah. Fuck yeah. it kind of sets like, it's like, really and now you hear that their production everywhere, especially in like the, like the crazy like neon wave like slow core electronica and shit, which like yeah, that type of thing. All locked to the beat. Yeah, yeah, and it's got all sparkly synths on top and super. Yeah, it definitely has that '80s kind of quintessential. You know, everything that is '80s is in that recording. Yeah, baby. I don't even know why we're talking about that, but I'm just going to keep this train rolling. I've got a little. Well, I mean, there's we've always got some personal gear news, but I I got my SG headstock repaired, and that's pretty pretty exciting. You did? Yeah, dude. I haven't told you that. That's right. Oh, surprise! So yeah, those who which what what is it? Congrats! It's in the other room. I should I can grab it. It's uh, I bought in I think 2005 new an SG classic with Mm -hmm. P90s red, and I put a Bigsby on it. I've done a bunch of shit to it, Um, but the headstock cracked about. I don't know, a couple months ago, I guess. And uh, I finally brought it in and Phil at CME repaired it for me and did a one, amazing job. You can be, like some of the people at, at upstairs at the shop were looking at it and they're like, where's the crack? And wow. it, it wasn't a huge, super deep. It wasn't fully broken off or anything. But according to Stingray, it was the best kind of crack. Sure. And uh, he used some sort of fancy marine grade epoxy and okay. got it in there. And it's it's stable shit. I actually got to put it to work a little bit the other night. And nice. it's. When did you get it back? Because I I thought you had it last week when we were here. Yeah, I got it back a couple days ago. So he just did it in a couple days. They're really busy right now. I think it was was a little bit less than a week. Wow. That's not bad. No, yeah, exactly. That's really awesome because you were were bummed out uh, when that... I, yeah. I got to witness your face when we saw the crack. That was the that's the, the guitar I have the most sentimental attachment to because it's the one that I bought new and have put all the wear on and toured when I was a young man and all those things and uh, so yeah, it was a bit. I mean, you know, it's one of those things I think anybody who has an SG or even a Gibson kind of worries about all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. 
and it eventually happens if you've got enough of them and it finally happened unfortunately but you know what honestly it's not like i would ever get rid of it anyway right. i'm never going to sell that fucking guitar is it true that they're stronger when they fix them in most cases have you heard it's, that before I've, I've definitely heard that i've definitely saying. heard that i don't know I, you know it's <laughs> is that just something that people who fix neck cracks say i don't know I, I i i can't honestly i'm sure that there's some way to test that all i know is that i've had I've never had I've literally this is you know I'm like looking for wood to knock on <laughs> I've literally never broken a guitar like in my life wow. ever I don't break I've never broken a string live either super oh, I've, I've done that like, plenty of times like neither one of those things have ever happened to me so now I hate saying it because I feel like I'm jinxed yeah but um, I've owned headstock repair stuff and I've never like rebroken it and I've always for me I've always thought it was just an incredible value if it's already been broken, if it's not your fault and you can get it at the right price, yeah. like I would rather have a broken guitar because you have less into it. You don't have to treat it the same way. Mm -hmm. And it's already had like its value just completely, just, just as bastardized as it could be. Exactly. So you, whatever you do, it's not going to sink at that point. Yeah, so you can just, find great deals yeah. on headstock repair. So that's the, be, that's the best way to get like, you know, like I have a 69, uh, or it's a 60, I'm not sure it's 60. It's like a 68. Les Paul Custom might be 69, but it's still like 68 specs and no volume. Oh man! Um, but I only could afford it because it was a headstock repair. Mm -hmm. But it was so well done, and like the finish was redone, and you can't like you can't tell it looks brand new. I don't play it because it looks brand new. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, when it's done right, like again, I've never. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but I've said that before to people. I think I believe it. You know, I'd like to believe it. <laughs> like you yeah. know, like if someone's trying to buy a guitar and it's got like, a headstock repair, and they're like. I don't know. I'm like, honestly, like, you know, some luthiers say, if you throw that out there, you can't yeah. get in trouble. Like, I, right. this is hearsay. I'm just I'm telling you. It's been said. People are saying. There's a myth that potentially the wood gets stronger, stronger. after it's been broken. Mm -hmm. It's like when you break a bone, you know. It's it just like, I, I have, have heard broken people heart. say that for sure. I mean, I think we all have. So. I'll, I'll run with it, man. It's cool. Yeah. I don't, I let your, your results may vary. Check out the work. I mean, not all work is equal. Maybe either. don't go trying to break your, you know, headstock after you've had it repaired too. But also, if you do, you know, maybe uh, it's not the end of the world. That right. shit can get fixed, dude. You know what time it is? Dave's docs. Dave's docs. Dave's docs. Uh, I watched a pretty good one. Um, Neil Young fans in the house. I, and, I happen to be one yeah. of those things. I, lo uh, I love some. I love some Neil Young. Yeah, there are. Uh, there's like trans. Trans specifically. <laughs> that's actually the only. Th that's the one. I don't get the rest of his di discography, but yeah, trans. I hear it and I'm like, oh, that's. I get what's happening well, here. Well, this <laughs> He's documentary got a clear vision. was just the early years. It's called so. It's it's 65 through 75. Okay. So it's it's you know the Buffalo Springfield Buff. stuff and like you know stills and all that. Um, pretty good. It was a little slow, to be honest. Uh, I'll recommend it if you're a fan, you know. How, how recent is this documentary? It's new. It's like 2019. Oh, it's right. on Amazon. And, you know, it was just very like, it just felt kind of dry. Like they didn't really dig into anything. It kind of just skated over the top. And like, they're like, this was his hit then. And oh, man, it was very general. I, this is the most lukewarm Dave's Docs review you've given in, in a while. Time. Well, Amazon, yeah. to be fair, Amazon's like music documentary thing is massive. Yeah. And you're like, wow, there's this many. It's just because they're bad. They're I mean, unauthorized. Most ones. of them are like, yeah, unauthorized. Yeah. Kind of terrible. I know. Sometimes occasionally interesting, depending on like just like how if there's performance footage and stuff mixed in. But most of it's just like most this they don't happened. even have the rights to the music, and then so they this can't even happened. play the song. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's that's kind of how this one was. Although I think it was authorized because they did have a lot of his music in it. But um, it was just it was good. It just kind of glossed over the whole that ten year span of his yeah. career. Um, so you know it was pretty good. I give it like a, I'll give it like you know, I don't know five kneels out of ten. Word. You know, so maybe check it out. I'll take five kneels. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Dave's Docs. Dave's Docs. I got, got a riff library to talk about here. 
this one. I felt it was appropriate since last week I talked about a Jim Deere Goddess book, Greg Cott book. It's called Ripped. Uh, How the Wired Generation Revolutionized Music. And it's uh, from 2010, and it tracks sort of like the how music has been created and sold up until this point. So hmm. it's interesting because it gets, re- you know, it explains how all the digital thing happened, but like kind of leafing back through it since I hadn't read it in a while. Uh, you know, it's a little bit dated at this point, so I can't fully recommend it if like you're in it specifically for the sort of like digital aspect of it, but the stories and the people he talks to, I mean, there's like a ch- whole chapter about arcade fire. And I mean, it, mm-hmm. it goes, it goes in a lot of different things in here. Interesting. Um, but really, I got to be honest, the real reason that I decided to do this one today, A, was because we talked about Jim Deere Goddess, and B, is because I wanted to brag that it's actually got an inscription from Greg to me on oh, the inside of it. Look at that. It says, Henry, here's to the good fight, Greg Cott. Hmm. Well, check That's it out. cool, man. So it's it goes into the history of like streaming and all that stuff? It go, No, not well before streaming, but then it, it does track a lot, a lot of like basically when he was the, one of the first people to start writing about mp3s and okay so like Napster sort of era of music happening right and how uh, that changed the record industry and everything. exactly um and you know of course greg's the co-host of sound opinions on npr the uh, writer for the chicago tribune he's a music writer oh, okay um, um i was for a minute i was like i know the name but i don't know why yeah. i don't know the name and then that it reminds me i just watched uh bbc had like a no it was cnn had a um it was like called the two thousands. It's like a series of shows they do. And they did a whole episode dedicated to kind of like about the beginning of like, you know, the music industry changing in that way. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Pretty good. The two thousand. Oh yeah. There's yeah. The it's like a series. series. And they, I haven't watched any of them, but I keep meaning to, it was just the one random one I clicked on and I was like, Oh, and it's about, you know, the change of the music industry, but they, I don't know. They kind of, they started talking about it and then they didn't get really deep into it. I was a little disappointed. So maybe the book's a better recommendation. The book is, the, like no, the book is still very good and there's a lot of really good stories and, and knowledge to be, to be learned inside there. But again, don't go to it. If you're like, I need to learn what it mean, means to be a digital musician in 2020. It's <laughs> right. more about sort of the history. Oh yeah. Any book evolution. that's like that, it becomes absolutely so quick. Yeah. Right now. It's, oh yeah. It's exactly. almost funny reading stuff that like, yeah, or like people tried to predict like what would happen. Man, I'm just like killing it with the microphones today. Yeah, Sorry about that. You got to get your bouncy guy back. I know, it's dude. Cool. I've Almost. got the I've got the bouncy fucking you know like podcast type thing, but it sucks and it's broken. Oh, I wonder if we could fix it or something. Probably, but I've tried and it, I couldn't. Mm. Um, anyways, hey, punching microphones that was ripped. Check it out. I'll put it on the. Uh, <laughs> thanks for punching. I'll put it on the on the website. Cool, dudes. Future gear. Uh, There's a lot of stuff going on right now. This is a segment where I like to talk about one sort of like futury piece of gear or gear things happening. Like that you want or that seems like it's from the future? No, that's happening and it like, seems like it's from the oh, future. Oh, crazy like innovative shit. Uh, and so I have to admit, before I tell you what this is, my, my first instinct was basically vomit when I heard this. But uh, recently... Tesla, it's been announced that the there was an update to their car's sort of like operating system that now includes a sort of not really fully featured, but basically functioning DAW in <laughs> on touchscreen in your car. Yeah. So you can like write and record music on the touchscreen of your Tesla. Now. Well, because you're not going to be driving. That's the point, right? Yeah. Is the robots driving for you? Robots it's driving. To just drive and for then you. you can just create while it drives you around town. You can make beats while you're in the I car. Mean, on your way to the studio. I have to tell you the name of it. It's tracks with an X, uh, which I, feel, I think is perfect for that. Mm. But and, and again, I the fir- at first when I saw that, I was like, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. But then I was like, well, you know what? You've, you've got to sit in those things to charge them sometimes. Like, you don't have anything oh, right. else to do. Maybe you can just like 
I don't know, work on a little idea work on the on thing, record. I guess. Yeah. Like, I, as, after I got a little less grumpy about it, I was <laughs> like, maybe that, like, I should support the idea that people can make music wherever they want to make music I'm just, or whatever. I'm welcoming our future robot over <laughs> yeah. like, most of the stuff is quality of life improvements and i'm fine with it yeah yeah well have you, se- have you seen how the tesla can dance what what the that tesla has a setting where you it can it's called dancing but it, like all the like the windows go down and the lights flash and like it does all this crazy shit it's and like, so i wonder if you can sync up your own music with it to dance to Oh, it just honestly everything you're describing it sounds like someone was asking kids in their mid-20s like yeah. yo what would make the car if it would drive itself yeah what would make the car ride cooler because now they're just thinking like i'm like a rich kid i have money i'm just buying a robot uber that's with me permanently yep. that i can robot accessorize uber. the way that i want because it's my robot uber yeah. and now you can get in put your music in and then it parties for you <laughs> while <laughs> you're partying going yeah. to the party Right, so you can like pregame in the car. Never now. stop partying, dude. Yeah, I love. I now I like it even more. And then the yeah. kid's like, "No, my friend's a DJ. He wants to fucking make some music." <laughs> so, yeah, so he gets to get on the dog and like actually like, start writing like loops and shit. Yeah, dude. There. And then your car tracks. Your biggest fan. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like it's just roving parties now, dude. I like it. That sounds amazing. I think it's cool. It looks like a pretty easy to use thing. It's kind of like a Fruity Loops meets GarageBand sort of thing. And but even way less in depth than yeah. that. You know, it's very high level stuff. Does it just but... have like a like a couple like loop like loop tracks built in? It's got like, instruments and stuff. You can, it's it? got it's all sort of uh, MIDI keyboard based. Yeah. So you know there's different instruments and whatever. But you, it's not anywhere nearly as in depth as GarageBand even. So you know it's good enough for a touchscreen. Some, some kid is still going to figure out a way to make something like like ridiculous. I made out of my it. album on my Tesla. Yeah, no, you're gonna, and he's like, oh, I wrote shit. this on my Tesla. Yeah, yeah exactly. There right there it is. All right. Well, uh, let's somebody need one of us needs to buy a Tesla, yeah. and then we can make that track. Get right on that. To be able to afford to buy the Tesla. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that's, that's, that's the segments. Now we're going to, we're now we're just going to start talking about you, man. So, so buckle in, uh, super excited to have you here because you're, I mean, awesome dude, awesome guitar player and awesome band been doing the CME video. Been watching your videos for for years, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's, It's if you go to like YouTube, sometimes it's funny. I'll find something that's like, it's just how old it is. is kind of like surprising. We're like, Oh shit. It's (laughs) like literally like 2000, you know, 13 or 2012 mm-hmm. and then you just part of it's just also depressing just seeing yourself like in your like <laughs> age prime like oh that was what i looked that was what i looked like at 28 gained a few pounds since then yeah man a couple yeah a couple miles on the road there. yeah there's, there's like a permanent record of how you age unfortunately but but yeah i've been doing that for a long time it's, so let's uh let's take it back when did you when did you start with the the guitar thing how'd you get into playing and doing all that stuff um I think really just you know, like middle school and it was the mid nineties and people playing guitars and stuff just looked cool, you know, and kind of wanted to play bass actually was the idea. I just thought bass players were cool. Like in bands that I would see they are like, like Christian rock bands in the mid nineties. That's like what I was allowed. To really? To. Oh yeah. Like, so I'd like Creed and jars of clay. No, no, no. Like, like smaller, like, like plank eye and skillet oh. and like early, like switch foot. Okay. Before yeah. they like were a big man, this was just like all you're allowed to. So if they mm-hmm. sold it at the Christian bookstore, you could buy it. <laughs> but they, but they still rocked. No, it was awesome. And so I just thought those were cool. I wanted to be like in like a cool band and play at youth group or whatever. You know, my mom was like, you "Can't play bass." I mean, you'll learn how to play guitar. <laughs> you'll learn how to play guitar because you know you should do that first, then and then you can, you can learn how to yeah. ba- play bass, which is 
hundred percent true. Yeah, hundred percent true. Like I, yeah, hundred percent true. She had. She it's gave not. Me some good it's advice. not like saying there's no no merits. Like being a bass player yeah. first. Forward, I'm just saying you get good at the guitar. You you play can bass. you can easily That's play bass. How it works? Absolutely. Um, Doesn't mean you know bass. Yeah, licks. like I'm no. not. A, I'm not a bass player, but I can do what I need to do on a record. Yeah, That's exactly. Sure, exactly. So and fundamentals of guitar. Bass boys handling it well over there. No rage coming from no, that man. side. <laughs> I, I was just a bass player because that was the only thing left on the block. Like we already had a drummer and a guitar player. So yeah. that's why it was funny about you wanting to play bass first. Because I was like, oh, most people say I got. Yeah. I ended up playing bass because no one else wanted to play it. So, so what? what yeah, you, that, so you got a guitar. Yeah. So I was. I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I took guitar lessons and just ended up just taking to it very well. What was the first guitar? First guitar was a. It was a crate. Like a, a pack. Crate it was a crate oh, pack. Oh yeah, dude. I'm talking oh, like nineteen, like the starter pack, like 1996, like a GT10 or something. Yeah, yeah, no, but it was like it was a Les Paul. It was like a set neck Les Paul copy thing. Well, set neck? Yeah. Oh no, Whoa. legit. I still have it hanging at my parents' house. That's it's awesome. like not. I could probably make it into like a fine playable instrument mm-hmm. because right. I just everything cheap was better before. It just exactly. is like the shit that was cheap in the 70s and the 60s now are like cool collectible yep. Japanese and silver tone, right? Mm-hmm. But it was shit then. Yeah, they're a student. Right. It was meant to be like not good. Like so the mid 90s, like shit, Les Paul by Crate is infinitely better than anything you get now from Mm -hmm. like Epiphone or whatever. But it was just like a tobacco burst Les Paul copy with like a little amp. And and then I started on the Paul. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to get away from it. But for a long time, I didn't at all. It's funny because after that, my first like real guitar was like an Epiphone Les Paul with like a red fake flame top mm-hmm. uh, was it a standard or custom like, it was like a plus epiphone standard, standard plus, plus top yeah, totally or something like that and uh i had that for a while and then um eventually like in high school i had saved up enough money and i'd sold that on like i don't even remember how you sold stuff back then i have no idea this is like what, really, someone like a friend yeah. or something yeah you just knew someone Local, at school newspaper. like literally like the classified ad yeah like, newspaper God, ads I, I hate thinking about it it gives me anxiety about what life was like <laughs> <laughs> like just being like oh i want a thing just well wait for the newspaper yep. and go read it once a day and the thing's not there it's like what are the odds that thing will ever show Dude, up some kids will never, <laughs> like, never know that that's feeling. what i'm saying like now it's like i want a thing and you press a button you get yep. the fucking thing like go ask right. your party car on the yeah. way to <laughs> the club yeah. Ask your party car to order it on Amazon for you. <laughs> It'll be there when you so get it's over home. Your, to yeah. eavesdrop on your conversation and automatically order it without you even asking. Yeah. Yo, no, but I, I, I got a like, 10th grade, between 9th and 10th grade, I think I, I saved up. I got a, uh, a 1993 American Strat Plus. Well, yeah. It's fucking awesome. What made it a plus? It was a plus. That's the name of the, that's the guitar. It was a plus. Was it, it was just Strat Plus, right? Yeah, it was the Strat Plus. Yeah. So Did it, it have was, a different it, pickup? It was like the American Deluxe before it was a thing, and it was locking tuners. It had the, it had a, um, Wilkinson, like roller nut, yeah. oh. the newer bridge, and lace sensors. Right. Always lace sensors. Always. The key. That was okay. the key. If That's you want what that made clapped it. Clapped in tone. You got to have lace <laughs> no, sensors. No, but it was red, silver, blue. Because it was. Ones. I was obsessed with Billy Corgan at the there time. There you go. Oh, and nice. that was that was like the red, silver, blue was like the lace sensor set that he always used. Siamese Dream, mm-hmm. Melancholy, all that shit. Which for me that was like you know that's the only reason I play guitar is because I heard those records when I did, and like made me want to like make music or whatever. Fuck yeah! But that sound I was like that's it, and the red is just like mega hot. So it's kind of like the Clapton, except it's that the Clapton had just like a 15k output bridge pickup, uh-huh. and it, I had that forever, and that was like the only guitar I had because I wasn't really making music seriously at the time, and I just had the one guitar and I played guitar and I did some you know random recordings and projects with friends and stuff like that. 
And so wait, hold on. You're so you've got. I mean, you're in a yeah. brother band. Yeah. When when did you guys start playing together? I mean, we've start, we've been playing since we were kids. Yeah. That was the nice part about having a little brother who learned to play drums is that he kind of had to play with me. So he had to like, <laughs> so he had to like play stuff I wanted to play. Learn yeah. this now. Yeah. Right. yeah. So it made it easy. And then we started, we started Royale, the band Royale. We were originally called Royale. We added the band Royale because, you know, copyrights. Is there, like is, that. It a, is there a rapper Royale or something? I think, like I don't know if it's a rapper. It's just an artist. Oh. Um, I don't, I literally, I don't know what it is, but yeah. there's, there's a guy who has the name for it. Right. I, think he's, I think he's in Atlanta. And, when did you make, when did you change you know, that? A couple years ago, yeah. after the first record came out, we did just because again we could have uniformity everywhere. It's just the bandreal.com. Mm-hmm. We have all of our handles on social media. It just it just made things easier. I think is I honestly think that that's a cooler name. I like I that it's yeah, so I just spelled that. out. This is a band, and it is and it is Royale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't mind it now. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. But yeah, so we started the band Royale, um, two thousand twelve probably 11 12 and we had like started doing stuff in earnest and then nate for work lived in la for about a year and a half so we kind of i i kept going with just uh, a couple other friends and nate's your brother the drummer right yeah and yeah. so you were just playing with other people yeah no, still and you were in no, chicago but, already yeah we were point? in chicago and so the earliest shows was it was me mark najar on bass and then uh uh ryan quilty on drums um both of whom are in like other great bands too um, but that was like the lineup for the first year. Um, it is cool. It's totally different sounding too. Like I actually have some recordings of it. And it's like very much like a more like heavy handed, like, you know, Quilty is just like a monster, like just heavy groove, like punch you in the face drummer. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, doesn't move the same way Nate's does, but it's got like, like a, just like, just the way, plus he always played like these big Vista like kits, oh, like yeah. to just like huge sounding, right? So those that earlier stuff, it sounds totally different. Was but, that still the Strat? Oh uh, no, no, no! By that time, I had switched to I think I had the uh, I was playing an S. I had a cool the SG from '79. It's like a all walnut with an ebony board. Nice. And um, I was using that. At some point, I got the uh, I think I, I sold that and traded or traded in towards. Um, that modern reissue from 2012. Whoa, that's Those awesome. Ones. Yeah, I played that for a minute. That guitar was great. I still, I, I, reg- I regret selling it and I should regret selling it because they don't, they're hard to find. They actually get more money now than when they were new. Mm-hmm. I must, I must pay 1200 bucks for mine and now they sell for like 19. So it's just dumb to have sold that. Yeah. Would you say the, the mythological original modern is that, is that, is that sort of like the, the guitar with the most mystique, like whether or not it really exists, and as, how much as far the, how as like whether or not, is. yeah. If it's just like you want like a guitar mystery, that's yeah. one of the great ones. It's yeah. got to be right because there's photographs from, from from the like like black and white photographs from the uh, the factory at like in the late fifties, where it's just like it's not even about it. It's just like in the background, there's like lots of body blanks and stuff, and you can clearly see there's like a modern body there. So at some that's point, been made, they made like, something that looked like it, but maybe or maybe not. No, I mean, they probably built it. it and it's never surfaced, yeah. you know? So, and the I mean, so does it, Billy like, Gibbons actually have one? I don't know. But, you know, like, it's, <laughs> I want to fucking know, man. No, nobody's ever going to know. That's the point. It's cool. Oh, that is, that that's why cool. it's like the enduring mystery. It's cool. Because again, like it's there. there's obviously plans for it. You know, they, they had the patent. And again, there is picture proof that like there were like bodies that existed. And then there's always been these little like whispers that are the ether that like, oh, I think somebody said this guy might have. Because again, <laughs> if you had one, like 
and you were like, let's see, you're like some rich dude and you have one as part of your collection and you're like, like, isn't like knowing that you have it and nobody else in the world even knows if it's real. Isn't that kind of like cooler than like showing it to everybody and go, look, look how cool I am. Like I would rather like have yeah. this, like this, like, like I've got a great, everyone knows this person has a great collection, but nobody knows that you actually have like the yeah, Jim Irsay really actually has this thing that nobody yeah, really I mean, has. Yeah, I mean, that's right. just, I was saying, I wouldn't be surprised because yeah. it would be almost cooler to have the secret. Well, there's power like, in that rarity and yeah. that, and that, and because I'm sure those, uh, do, you still, you're still going to have your guitar buddies and like, all right, I'm going to swear you to fucking secrecy. Yeah. yeah. And if you ever tell anybody, I will, will have you murdered. Whispers, there will be whispers forms. out in the world that like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I think, I've heard that like, <laughs> there might actually be one and it's like in the Eastern Hemisphere. Yeah. And that's like all I've, like. Unicorn. Yeah. It'd be cool if it ever popped up, and I wouldn't be surprised. But I also wouldn't be surprised if we just have the ability to fake something so well that like there's a story and like it's just trickery. But (laughs) I, I, well, I guess that's that's you know, for a long time I've been saying that I want to do this like Gibson Seven thing where I want to have these seven different Gibsons, (laughs) but I might have to make it eight and just (laughs) for for that goal to have to have have an original Modern if it actually really exists out there. Well, shit. All right, so you had that. When did you start doing the Les Paul Custom thing? Um, um <laughs> uh, it's a good question. I think I just, all right. I remember specifically that I just, uh, I didn't have a Les Paul and like, I wasn't necessarily a Les Paul guy really. Um, and I just, uh, I think we had like a Christmas party and, uh, we would have like always like, we'd have like stuff set up and like people that worked see me would just go and we would play and like do covers and stuff like that all right and like just one of the guitars that was there i don't even know what song we were doing but it was it was something that i was playing on and i was just playing a les paul and it was like a les paul standard you know through uh little blues junior and i just remember really liking how it sounded and and again i've been playing gibson's it's not like i haven't played les paul oh, i yeah. just hadn't like owned one and done it with my my own music or whatever and uh i just remember after Someone that I worked with, I don't know who it was, was just like, oh man, like you should, you sound like you should, you should just have a Les Paul. Cause this is really, it was just an expensive guitar to get a good one. Yeah. And so like, I didn't want to like take that, that step. Cause it would have been like, man, spending two, two thousand, three thousand dollars on something is like not something I normally do with my budget. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I definitely had to work my way yeah. up into my first good Les Paul. That's exactly yeah, what happened. Yeah. We just got lucky. And so that was like in my, it was in my head. It was like, oh man, I should get one. I should like, when there's a good one, I should just get it. And then we just we got in a 72 custom that was just it was like just fucking magic and you could tell right it just looked it was really worn in and it was beat mm-hmm. and it was good but it was like 72 is when I mean, you find them in 71 70 like they pop up early but the embossed logo covers are really just like a, a 72 thing where they're stamping every pickup with the gibson logo mm-hmm. right and they stopped doing it because people hated it because dealers and guys at the time, like they would just grab pickups. Nobody gave a shit about what they were. People just grab yeah. neck bridge. Doesn't matter. They're just uh-huh. pickups. And then you would want to just like, Oh, I need a replacement. Mine died. They want to swap it. You couldn't do it because you had to flip them over. And then the Gibson logo was upside down and people uh, thought it was yeah. dumb. So uh-huh. Gibson was like, Oh, we're sorry. We'll just not, we'll not do that anymore. And so you only got it for like a couple of years, but you got it stamped. And I just think it looks cool. Yeah. Oh, like it's cool. just yeah. like, it's cool. like a little extra, like kind of a detail. Yeah. Super 70s too, just like Gibson and cursive just on the pickup, you know? Oh yeah. That so, was before they started doing the maple neck thing, right? Yep. Yeah. It's three piece mahogany, um, maple cap. It's the end. It's not the end, end of 74 be the end, but it's like that, 
the Kalamazoo stuff before they they you know they moved everything over to Nashville like seventy mm-hmm. five. So all the stuff they that kept was, doing the customs there longer though, right? I don't know. I don't think so. I think pretty much most. I mean, the Kalamazoo shop became like a custom shop, yeah. but at first, I think the whole point of its existing was to send it send it all over to uh, to Nashville, just bigger. Yeah. They could make more faster. You know, the switch to Maple, I never really fully understood, but it doesn't matter. It's they're, they're cool though. It's mm-hmm. cool now. Like looking, it's just like what we're thinking at the time that made them. Um, but yeah, so I I love that era. And the earlier, the better, obviously. But it changes, too. Like I said, I have, like, a first year, 68, which is, it's a real Les Paul. It's, like, everything about it is the way they were done in the 50s. For those who don't know, listening, yeah. 68's the year that they brought the Les Paul back. Yeah, they back. brought them back. Mm. And it's the last year before um, Norlin kind of started meddling with the way that they wanted them to produce things to cut costs. And the first thing that you notice after, like, it, one, it just looks like a, like a reissue, but then, like, early 69 you'll start seeing volutes mm-hmm. and then 70 they'll add the three-piece mahogany neck instead of the one piece and at that point the value kind of dips because it's not a one-piece neck anymore um but it's good it's not a bad thing tonally i my that's why I, this guitar i swear i'll put it up to like i've played bursts and like i like how mine sounds like mm-hmm. way better just that's just how it works totally but yeah this thing came in sorry it was like a tangent but it came in we, and it we doesn't like tangents yeah that's what here. we do here it it might it looks a little different now in its current state but when it first came in it was just all beat but the crazy thing about it is you flip it over and it had a gretch pad oh, leather yeah. pad right like it, it was so and i still have it in the With case like the buckles and shit yeah. yes it was amateur it was like it was like folk art someone just slapped <laughs> like, it on the back seriously so it wasn't like a perfectly circular like, oh, it was like, it was like fucked off. up. <laughs> yeah it was a little bit off like they're doing it by hand and they get paint on something else and they're like oh it's kind of got a little bit of an egg shape yeah. to it uh, and then they had like three or four buttons and there were actually buttons in the back of the guitar yeah. i was gonna say how did they mount it on did yeah. they like snaps yeah no like somebody did that to the guitar uh, so there and you still you leave that on there no <laughs> it's comfy no. though right it's i should though it's just it's just silly it it's is. just silly looking like yeah. Yeah, this is last paul custom you flipped it over and it was like had like a pillow yeah for your dick basically <laughs> pillow, right? baby. That's, dick, dick pillows so we've got tone pillow. tubes next gonna be dick pillow dick pillows. <laughs> oh no no we've already got dad straps too that's the other dad straps is the yeah um dude that's hilarious man so yeah so i just i saw that and i was like oh well this is your main guitar yeah yeah what else? What else do you play these days? Um, I know because I I think you, oh, I, I have saw you a, took I that sixty eight. I have an eighty nine standard. Oh yeah, um, that I love. That's that just is like a pickup whore. I just I'm just always like I'm like I wonder what these sound like. Mm-hmm. And I just keep flop. So the guitar sounds like different shit all the time. I've heard but, I've heard a lot of people saying that late early or late eighties early nineties Gibson stuff. There's some gems. Oh, they're in incredible. It's the best. I like mm. them. They're the best. Really? Oh, seriously? That's what Balth, the best. actually Balthazar yeah. Delay because, who was on the show was. Saying. Yeah, it's because uh, like amps Balthazar. Yeah. God, his amp sounds so good. Oh yeah, yeah. dude. I, I, I want got the to 50, go. I want the fifty watt film to work. I got like, to go beta badly. test his new Cabaret thirteen, and it is delightful. We actually talked about that one or two, two episodes, episodes ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah, his amazing. Stuff. If anybody listens to this likes guitar amps, check out his stuff. It's yes. fabulous. Um, oh, oh, yeah. No, yeah. no, that era. Like, <laughs> oh, where were we? Like 88, <laughs> yeah. 88 to ninety two. It just seems like huh. everything's great. It's, it's just the, the wood. Like like yeah. the pickups. Like my eighty nine standard. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It's a little it? heavy. Sunburst. It's like it's not for me. Like usually, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't really do cherry sunburst. And this is like fucking tomato soup. Yeah. Like, like. 
in your face like Jimmy Page sunburst, yeah. Dude, but it's just one, so yeah. good. The one that I traded in to CME for that 78 custom that I got from you years before mm-hmm. I ever worked there was way too tomatoey, but it was yeah. the, the one I could like get into and it was a 70 and I thought it was cool, but I just, yeah, I don't, the, the burst is like the dark red burst yeah, is just not it's my not vibe. for me, but I still play it just because it's so good. And that era, basically everything just feels you know, part of it, I'm sure, I'm sure it wasn't that way the minute that you had it in your hand in 1989, but like mm-hmm, just right. the way that those things have congealed and come together, they're just rock. They feel like they're chiseled out of like, out of like hard rock glass, mm-hmm. you know, Damn. which for some people is not a good thing for me. It's like a good thing. Um, just, just, and then you just treat it as a husk and just try a million different pickups in it, find one that you like, but like 335s from the late eighties, early nineties, they're like perfect. They're, they're made the way they're supposed to. Like they're like a real three thirty five. All right, and that's what I'm gonna look for. And then. just yeah, just stick your pickups in. I, I want a black. I want like a black eighty nine. Three thirty five. Three thirty five is next on my tone quest. Yeah, that would be good. Damn. Yeah, All right. Well, I'm sure you've got your eyes open for those. You see a good one that you're not gonna get. Maybe. Uh, pass I haven't it, pass been in acquisition way. mode in a while, which yeah. is weird for me. Although I say that, and I just bought like a weird hummingbird. <laughs> oh, you did. Did What'd you, you ever get? see that? Uh uh-uh. uh. Which one? It Was is, it that kind of dark red one? It, no, it is a hummingbird copy that somebody handmade. In like the early '80s, late '70s, it looks like a single pickup. Like, no, it might be a mo- hummingbird. I'm an idiot. A mockingbird. Oh, like a BC Ranch. Oh, BC. Like a big oh, dick I mockingbird. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. yeah, it's got like a, it's got like an old school Bill Lawrence blade, like mega output humbucker. That's where I remember that. And then it's got a weird like psychedelic sticker on it, and it's that's just a, right. it's the pure, and it's incredible. Like it actually plays great. Yeah. And it's just like a pure, just like a ignorant like riff machine oh so i bought that i forgot about that (laughs) but what what amps do you usually use i mean it's been pretty much just carson's war machine for years honestly it's just it is like the best pedal platform Mm. amp like if you come to the show you'll hear it it sounds fucking right now like i don't know what's going on it didn't even sound this good when we were on a tour. Like it sounded wow. way better, right? Because you know, I don't want to like you don't want to experiment like during sound check with like volume volume levels and stuff. Yeah. You kind of like like this has been working. I'm just gonna leave it alone. When we got back, I started kind of tweaking things, and I've got it so dialed in right now because it does this thing where if you take the master and go all the way up, it just disconnects and disengages itself from the circuit, and then it becomes just a single single channel, yeah. like a mega headroom. Jesus. In the full 50 watts. And it's just like something about running it in that mode with just enough volume. And then I kind of always have this one pedal, the Durham Sex Drive. I don't know. Oh, my God. Yeah. Nobody knows about it. It's for as far as pedals that you just leave on all the time. It's like perfect. Mm -hmm. It's a clean boost that has volume, tone and gain. And it doesn't have a lot of gain, but it has like the right amount. So you can like take your amp basically. So it's running hot and it's clean. But I want a pinch of dirt and I want that to be my clean sound. So this thing just runs everything a little bit hotter. And then it has a three-way compression switch, which is like none, a little bit, or a lot. And I keep it on a little. And again, I just leave the whole thing running kind of hot forever, always. And then I use that as my buffer, and it hits everything else. But right now, it like sounds like sounds in my head how I've always wanted it to sound, which is, yeah. it sucks because I didn't have it sounding that way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this, this. What's, the, what's the tube? What are the tubes in there? Uh, right now it's 34s. Mm-hmm. It can be whatever you want. I've yeah. had for a long time. I had um, KT66s in it, nice, which sounded good. And honestly, they're great in their own way. They're real chilly sounding. You know, KTs have like a. It's like like EL34s are chiming and like warm, which is a sound, and I like that. Yeah. And then KT66s are like a little more metallic, and there's like a little less like warmth to it, which is cool in its own way. But I just had had it for a long time. And, uh, you know, your ears just get bored. 
Yeah. That's, that's really it. Like as far as there was a while where I'd put the Carsons away because the same thing like you, I just hadn't, it hadn't been sounding good to me lately for some reason. And there's always a million things. Sometimes it's like you need to change your strings. Exactly. It's that dumb. Right. And you're like, God, I hate my rig. Everything sounds like <laughs> shit tonight. And then you change your strings. You're like, oh, wait a minute. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, like, there it is. There's where like 20% of my high end went because yeah. I had shitty strings on. So sometimes like you just kind of psych yourself out. And you're like, I got to try something else. Tone like, tip. Change your strings. That's a really yeah, good tone tip. 100%. Start there. It's a cheap I, I'm not like, and I'm not a Nazi about it, but like, you know, every couple weeks at least yeah exactly if you're because, playing if because you're playing a lot yeah. Yeah. yeah you'll just kind of forget and then your, your tone will be lifeless and when your tone isn't good it, honestly it makes it not it makes you not as fun makes you not be have as much fun when you're playing right mm-hmm. yeah like you've got new strings on a guitar and you plug and you play oh, like yeah. oh god i sound good and you want to like write riffs and exactly. jam and do yep. shit right totally yeah i think the other the, i was just thinking about that the other thing i've noticed is that especially i think you're you similarly sort of i i play in the tuning where i'm like pretty far tuned down so i use pretty heavy strings and i when they when they lose some of the tension i feel like is when it's mm-hmm. like it's there it's just not as is it doesn't bounce back when i play something right. when i want and that doesn't that doesn't inspire me that actually bums me out and that's that's part of it too yeah. like you kind of i always want especially for the low string to be able to like kind of if you like hit it when it's open like just get that like piano like bong mm-hmm. thing and like you'll know when you need to change when it'll have like a like an envelope around it where it'll just go wow yeah. you know what i mean because the string's like freaking out more than it was yeah. originally and that's when you could tell i like piano strings yeah. what what tunings do you use i well i i tune to e flat just in general yeah but then i don't like talk i just it drives me nuts when i watch thing. things and people are like tune like we're tuning e flat no what we're gonna do is we're doing e flat major sh-. and they start talking relative to the actual tuning and i right. get it i just my brain it's like a pretzel thinking about that so i always just like i'm just like when we're like writing a song i'm like this is the e I mean, it's, even though it's, it's E flat, yeah, yeah, even though it's yeah, E flat, yeah. I just talk about it relative. You know, like Irving Berlin would play everything in C and then press the crank on his piano to yeah. put it to whatever tune he wanted. <laughs> we played everything in yeah. C. That's like how I think about it, yeah. basically. But yeah, so I do an E flat, and then from there, I do some stuff in standard. I do some stuff in drop D. I do which again, we're talking about drop C of sharp. Of course, no, I get it. Obviously, I do it's just like a capo, but the other yeah. direction. Yeah, I, I use a lot. I use this uh, this open d6 tuning that i just stole from from dan rosen grizzly bear and it's just uh, it's like drop d and then it's like dad gad mm-hmm. it's not like dad gad it's like okay drop d and then drop the e down to the e, d2 so mm-hmm. it's like d d d yeah. right and then like the neil young double drop right d thing. you leave the b where it is and then you drop the g to f sharp and then you strum it and it's just like a perfect d6 chord cool right but then there's a million things you can do with it, and it makes all these droning things happen. Like, I use it a lot. It's like very cool tuning. I use it a ton. And then sometimes I'll capo it at the second so that like on bass, the riff is in like E standard. Mm-hmm. But then the guitar, it feels like you're still playing it in the open D tuning. Right. And then the timbre changes a little bit, and that sounds really cool with this like silver tone that I have. It sounds really good when it's capoed short because it's got a big floating bridge, too, and there's just a lot of string surface there for crazy harmonics. And, cool. it's, and it's fully hollow. What, it's the hum, it's the humbucker one. It's the uh, like the Chris Isaac. Oh man! Oh yeah. 14, if people don't understand. I don't even want to talk about those it. Those are so good. They're the, they're like literally the the greatest guitars. They're one of like the greatest sounding guitars ever made. There was they're, one they're in Gibson PAFs. They're mini humbucker. Mine actually has like PAFs. They're like legitimately. In what, do you, this, what do you mean they're Gibson PAFs? Gibson made all the parts for them. It's, really? Yeah. You could take you can buy that silver tone. You could take out the wiring harness, and it's an exact replacement for a three thirty five from like nineteen sixty two. No like shit. Exact. And the pickups, 
they they're like unique to those guitars, but they were built for them by Gibson. And hmm. so some of the earliest ones you'll see PAFs, or you'll have a lot of them are patent number stickers, but they're made by Gibson. Yeah, that just blew and the my Bigsby, fucking mind. And the Bigsby is the exact same Bigsby that you would get if you were to order yeah. a Gibson with the Bigsby. So a lot of people would buy those, gut them for the parts, yep. just to make their vintage guitars complete again. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to find really good ones because they've been gutted. But that guitar, like if you want, I mean, think about it. There's really nothing else like it from the vintage days. It's a fully hollow Bigsby guitar with slim body and mini humbuckers mm -hmm. right because the slim body full hollow with gibson was a like a, you know three three thirty three thirty or a casino yeah. or right? a wolf full of slim the and that would that would have p90s like anyway. epiphone epiphone has some stuff that's technically like the, the sheridan same. and the yeah, yeah there's another one but but like the full hollow thing yeah. there's a couple and you, i forget i've got a gretch but. from the yeah. it's well i guess it's no it's a th it's a thin body mm -hmm. fully hollow but it's got the Hylotrons instead of the du uh, duotrons. Yeah, right? it's just a weird. Again, you have to think about it like it's a Gibson guitar. And the mm -hmm. main thing is they need work on the neck. Like I had, I had a bone nut made. I have replacement tuners. I had a new bridge made. Mm -hmm. um, is it a floating I'm bridge? About, I'm about to get it. Not anymore, but yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't need to deal no. with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I want to just change my strings. I don't want to have to like re mark things anything. off. Yeah. And then I've had a re I need to get it refretted. Like I haven't had it, but it needs it. And once it's refretted, it's going to be a monster. And it's it's the bridge the bridge pickup and just the way it works like that's like the best like feedback I love like but it doesn't howl and do the oh thing? it does but it howls like notes that, like the note that I want it to wow. <laughs> if I think about the note and I just grab it and then I just like like it's got gain and like reverb and I just go <laughs> it, it'll literally just go to the note I'm thinking of and then it'll Jedi hold, mind trick yeah, right. I'm telling you I'm not I'm not shitting with you that's why it's, it's I sold it I don't I don't know why I sold it I sold it to the store. And then a month later, it like took a while to like get out through like repairs and and um, photography and stuff like that. I'd forgotten about it. And then I just I was on the sales floor, and the guitars come up to the, where you put them before you're gonna put them out for sale or hang them or whatever. And I just saw like the one of those come up, and I just didn't put two and two together. And I picked it up, and I was playing. I was like, "Oh my god, this is like the best one of these ever! I should have never sold mine." It's like, "Oh, uh, this is mine!" Yeah. And I bought it. <laughs> I just bought it again right then. And so. I don't like selling guitars. Yeah. I'm not necessarily in full acquisition mode, but I just want to buy stuff like that I don't want to get rid of now. Like it's not as important yeah. for me to have like 40. I'd rather have like eight just shit kickers. Completely agreed. Digital snoozers, baby. Yeah, I'm the same way, man. I can't sell anything. Yeah. Anymore. Dude, what are the do you what do you got? What are you doing pedal wise these days? What do you got on the board? Um, so I like to stack things. Like like on top of each other. Yeah, I just like, like to, physically. Put yeah, all your that's pedals all. On a, no, in a people are like, row. are you stacking overdrives? Like, like two oh, yeah, I literally mount them on top yeah. of each other. They're always on. Always on. Yeah. No, those um, cables. I like. I those do like cables. stacking drives and overdrives. That's just. It's funny because you play an amp, you're like this amp sounds so good. I love it. This is exactly the sound that mm -hmm. I want. You know, and then like you take it home, and the first thing you do is like. Completely like, change four, it. Put four, <laughs> four layers of juice yeah. on it before it even hits the amp. Yeah, and you forget what the amp. Even, that's like what. So like, if I like disengage everything as play, I'm like, wrong. Yep. What's that? And then I got to turn on like two pedals right just to be happy right, with right it. right away. And then yeah. oh, there it, there it is. is. That's the thing. But yeah, I, like I said, I have a sex drive. It never goes off. Yeah. And my clean is like a dirty clean where I can strum light and it's clean, or I go and it's got grit on top. Yum. Right. I never run like super like Fender glassy clean. It's just not. Some, not what I in the music that I make. I don't need it very often. Mm -hmm. I can get that. Just pull your know, volume down That's on the guitar like for. a pinch, right? Um, I have that on a lot. And then I'll be honest. Depending on how lazy I am, sometimes I'll just leave my my clone clone on forever too. Which one do you use? I use the 
archer icon. G- the G-Rocket. Oh, yeah. It's <clears> fabulous. <throat> fabulous. Yeah, but listen, there's, they're all great. So you run that yeah. you, you run that after the sex drive. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if the way I do things is ideal, it's just the way I do them. Oh fuck ideal. I, I just I, it's just listen, an interesting. I've, I feel I like don't, that's usually a first pedal in the linearly, chain kind of guy. Linearly, I stack things by the amount of boom that they provide. Mm. So the last thing is like the heavy overdrive. Super boom, you know. So it's like light light grit, a little bit more grit, you know. Then and then like, what's then what the do you what stick. do you use as the boom? What's your uh, fucking evil right, dead right, boomstick? Right now, I've, just, I've got the the Friedman the BE Overdrive. Oh yeah, it sounds it sounds it sounds right. It sounds good. I think that pedal, I think that pedal really like relies on whatever the power section is to like succeed or fail. Mm-hmm. And it just through my amp, it sounds like fucking Friedman. Except I can get it like gooier and a little more compressy like I want because it's not an actual Friedman. Mm-hmm. It's like I got a couple I'm cheating. I already got some compression and some like mid driven boost like with sparkle added, like hitting that. And then it becomes like a big crunchy, you know, super gainy Marshall accepted. It's like I always want it a little bit soupier. I'm not like a big dry clean gain guy. I'm like a you like the sag? I like, oh, I love the sag. Huge. Like, again, like I said, I cut my teeth on like pumpkins. And like for me, melancholy, <clears> it's <throat> like, that's my favorite. And that's why I love, uh, like, just like that gooey, super, like way more gain than you need. Like that gooey tone. It, it was like another band that always does that, especially their early stuff. And I thought it sounded incredible. It was uh, High on Fire. Where oh, everything, hell yeah. And then I know Matt Pike, and he's awesome. And he's a great guitar guy and just a great dude. And I just I love and appreciate the fact that he's just like there's there is not too much gain. Like I want mm-hmm. more gain. Yeah. Like oh, he has right. a pig Absolutely. nose mic in the back that's blended in with his house tone. That's oh, like wow. part of his live thing because his pig nose is just like it's like literally part of the secret sauce. There it like is. one of those yeah. right there. And a lot of people do that because it's got this like just awesome snarly thing, and you mix it with the other, then it gives you that. And I just I like it when there's like too much gain. And I like this that clean like really articulate too. But like that's just not what that. I do. And so much of that is in your pick attack. You can do, get a li- a lot more of the string separation and stuff if you just pick a little bit lighter when you have that much gain. Yeah. Of course, depending on the amp and pedals. Yeah. I was wondering, have you ever tried doing the? Uh, Bypassing the preamp and wiring like those preamp style pedals directly into the into the effects loop into like the you know the power section of your amp because I know a lot of people are, are not, doing that not seriously. Yeah. I mean I don't know. I, I, whatever I have highfalutin ideas about doing a slightly more like kind of modernistic and kind of you know like a, a pro, an approach like that where you're mixing a couple different ways to go about it. like I just get lazy and I just like go man I just turn on this amp and go like that it yeah. sounds right. Totally. And that's for me, that's why it's like that's why I don't have like a Kemper, because every time I like think that's a great idea, then I go like, I know myself. I'm not going to take the time. I'm just not going to. Whereas if I have it sitting in front of me, like I will, mm-hmm. I can just get where I need to go for the most part. Mm-hmm. And you sacrifice having some of the options. But that's a good I, thing. Most of the time. Yeah, though. exactly. Um, you know, the absence of the unnecessary, really. That's that's how that's how you, you move quickly. Just don't yeah. give yourself too many options. Did you, is that, is that the kind of approach you guys took a limited approach with recording that new record? Uh, sort of not, out? you know, I don't know. Like when I, when we, when we make a record and we're recording for me, like it's not for good or bad. It's like every song is just like a totally different thing. Okay. Just do, just, You're not going in and doing all the drum tracks in one day. Well, it's store, still sort of. Yeah. But I mean, like you could do a lot of mixing to make things sound like they're not, like, you know, I, I like records that have a sound and it just goes yeah. straight through. 
but that's just not what I do. Mm-hmm. It's cool though. I mean, I, some of it, it's, it, it's just like, there's like a ebb and a flow and it goes, you know, it's like a story. So, yeah. Yeah. So I like heavy stuff, but like for me personally, I just don't want to listen to like a heavy thing for 40 minutes. I want the heavy totally. thing to be, you know, chopped up with other interesting things. And that's kind of what we do. So every song ends up being this totally different thing and like different guitar and tone. And a lot of the record, a lot of the sounds are all like, you know, fake. The, the heavy stuff. Any, what, do you, any, what do you mean by fake? Like when I say fake, like like plugins, you know, yeah, like okay. direct, yeah. like great, you know, like and again, it's not fake. It's still a performance. Mm-hmm. It's still music, but a lot of it's like not like me micing a clean amp. It's like going and direct, getting a great clean sound, having some cool stuff, and that's the beauty of you know technology now is that you can get incredible sounding things that you don't need to physically have in life, and you can use that in a way to you know make your music sound better, and it's just expected. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to recreate exactly what you do live in studio right. and otherwise you know i wouldn't have a chance but it's, it's funny you mentioned that literally one of the questions i that want i wanted to ask you that i had written down on here was you know this sort of concept and i'm curious to hear your take on this too dave uh like you know that you can either you can either make a record and be like this is exactly what we sound like when when just the three or four or however many of us play together and this is what it sounds like when us three are playing or or the approach of you know, we're just going to treat the record as its own unique entity and make that be the thing. That's what it sounds like. And then when we try to do it live, we'll sort of work our way around. What what is that? That's exactly what it is. Well, for me, okay. There's, there's obviously two ways to do it. That's why I think live albums are cool. And you should like, just in general, like if you have ways to record your band when you're playing live, like it's content, it sounds good. People dig it. You can do fun. It's like, it's just useful information to have. So we we try a live record that you released from Lincoln hall that I want you to listen to also. Yeah. It's, you know, again, we had that show recorded just because we knew it would sound good. It's a great place. They have an incredible system, and you just wanted to have that document. Mm-hmm. And uh, but that's what you sound like live because it's called live. Like that's what you do. And I there is no there's no right or wrong way to do it. I just look at it like like it's like you know like Gattaca, right? Like the the family just goes in and they go like I don't want this baby to have heart issues, and I don't want them to have a predilection towards. Uh, alcoholism you know you just like get to create like when you're making an album when you're making art like you technically you have that right and that ability so i just think like i just like to do these like highly idealized versions of the way things that in my head i'm like this is this would sound really cool if it sounded like this and then like live you just play it and hope the song on its own stands and that people aren't going like oh god i'm really missing that texture that really made me like the song now that it's gone i hate the song like you hope the song is good enough that people can like appreciate that it's a good song and it still sounds good. And there's just, you know, maybe not the second, third guitar, like flying around. <laughs> like, yeah, just, right. but again, I'm not going to like not do it. I want to, and it sounds good. And I like the way it turns out. And then, you know, live it's still sounds good and it's mostly there, but yeah, I mean, well, it's extra complicated cause you're the singer too. Yeah. So you're singing and playing live. Yeah. It's, I was curious when you're cause and some of the stuff listening to, there's like some pretty complicated melodies happening on both the guitar and, and vocals. Do you, when you're writing stuff, do you think like, Oh shit, I'm going to have to actually do all this at the same time. <laughs> yeah. and no, limit I yourself? Think it, it sucks. But the nice thing is like, I never knew this until I started like actually writing my own stuff. You know, I guess I didn't believe it, but I just remember reading something about James Hetfield like way back in the day and, I just watching him, I always was like, how it is how it is, it is not possible for a human being to be playing what he's playing and singing what he's singing right. over top of it and singing it as well as he is mm-hmm. and like not missing the bottom two. And the fact that he's just downstroking everything. The whole time. Yeah. There isn't as much like natural rhythmic groove to downstroking everything. Right. So it's like the fact that he's still locked in. I think 
part of what makes Metallica incredible is that like Lars was not, and so that like it could all all kind of like it, barely held together. It this was like not insane, to a click. Yeah, yeah it's that's right. like, that's what's that's why it's incredible. And but I remember him like talking about this is a compute, muscle memory. You write it if you write it, it's a lot easier for you to do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you're just already familiar mm-hmm. with it. And for me, it's like I'll I don't try to write. I try to write not difficult vocal parts, but I don't write the vocal parts while playing it. Like I literally just go in afterwards and listen just do to it, it. Mm-hmm. and then afterwards, like fuck, gotta learn it. Yep. you know, and then you just do it. Do you ever find yourself sort of having to change parts and riffs and stuff such mm-hmm. to get that going? A little bit, not 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 too much. Um, it depends. Some of our songs are like more rigid, and they're played pretty much exactly, you know, just like real riff driven specific mm-hmm. stuff. And then some of the arrangements are a little bit gooier, and the guitar parts are more kind of, you know, walking around and doing like weird sparkly stuff and that's like you just try and like get you trying to do what you did on the record within a certain uh-huh. degree with like delays and things like that and that that's obviously the easiest stuff but there's only a couple tracks where it's like there's hard moments and, and really it's just lack of practice otherwise they wouldn't be hard moments would you guys ever consider like playing with backing tracks or anything like that to fill out a sound yeah 100 percent. would love to i just yeah. haven't done it i haven't sat down and like made you know like the session and then um, you kind of have to commit to yeah, the click thing it, it at does, that point too. It yep. does. It's almost like I think I do a case by case basis. It would yeah. be like, like these songs are raw burners. Let's just like crush them as a three piece. Sure. And then, Turn on another distortion pedal for yeah. that one. And then like this song, like this one's got a groove and a feel. And if we want it to like actually hit right, let's let's do it right. And maybe right. you don't need every backing track, but like just a couple cool, interesting things that fill out what you just can't do yeah. without a certain amount of personnel. There's one song, I mean, the, the record is, and, and, and it's a testament to sort of what you're talking about. It is very, it is varied. Like it's all the same band when you're listening. I, you know, I was just checking it out and it's all the same band, of course, but it takes different sort of ebbs and flows. Yeah, and there, tries different it should things be, out. it should sound like mostly just a bunch of different songs. Yeah. A couple of them have like the same type of feel. Some of like just like the heavier, straightforward stuff. But even then, it's like the guitar tones. I made sure that every song had a different sound on purpose. I didn't want like I love that like you know again like things like Strokes or Interpol like the early that, record uh, where it's like under boom. under control. That yeah. song I feel like definitely has a bit more of that vibe to it. That I was really oh, I was sure. totally digging that. Yeah, that one's got like a like a sort of eighties, and then also like it's got that like driving like mid two thousands indie rock. Mm-hmm. You know, I always think of like a. Like the quintessential is, uh, what are they called? Uh, Broke a Social Scene has a handful of songs. Where it's oh, just like yeah. that, like perfect, like, mm-hmm. and it just, yeah. That's what it I sounds like. Of. There's that, that's a, uh, that's a, dr- like a preset drum beat in one of those old drum machines. I don't remember yeah. which one, but it's like the human version of playing that, yeah. that yeah. particular beat. I was really digging the guitar solo in that song under control with harmonies on yeah. it. Is that is that you just double tracking that shit? And yeah, that was all like, Zach actually. Oh, really? Zach recorded that. That's awesome. Because he was, I don't, he was, I just wasn't there, and he was just like trying out some funny ideas. And yeah. Him, and him and Nate were like, "Dude, you should check out what Zach did." And we we had like played a thing like that, like there was like a kind of an Ebo-y thing that was doing like the same thing, but it had, wasn't like recorded and set in stone. But like that was because I'd had like other demos of that where it was kind of like the same type of thing. But then like Zach just like did it with like a ripping loud like fuzzy guitar thing, and I was like, oh, that actually sounds cool. That's it comes awesome. out of nowhere, but it's dope. exactly mm-hmm. yeah, definitely definitely so. grabs you. Did you have, so then now does that mean you have to like learn that solo to play that shit? Um yeah, I mean <laughs> I mean that's what I'm saying. We are I that like shape was there already. Yeah, it just right. wasn't the idea to just like throw a bunch of gain on it and like harmonize it, mm-hmm. but like it's yeah. It's, are you gonna use a harmony pedal now to do that? Yeah, dude. That's a good question. Yeah. I thought about dude. the harmony thing. It's just, it's just there's. 
it, it gets complicated when you're tuning not to like when uh-huh. you tune to E flat, it doesn't track as I've tried it. It doesn't oh. track as well as if you're an E. Right. Right. Makes sense. It just it kind of likes the standard tunings and it sounds more natural. And then you just get really weird. Like it'll go. <laughs> it'll go between the two notes because yeah. it's like confused. So it's I would love if there was like a such like a I'm sure there is. I just don't want it. I'm just, like I just again, when it comes to pedals, I get really turned off by the rocket science aspect of it. Yeah. And I don't want to admit that because I didn't always used to be that way. But the older I get, the less I want to tweak. Like I would love if each thing did exactly what I want it to do. And it just had a knob for level, mm-hmm. you know. I, mean, I know how to get the sounds like the, I want, whoever made the like, pedal is like okay this is exactly how it sounds best i'm just gonna let you control how much of it there is that's i mean again i don't want to that's very like ignorant of me to want that but like secretly like i wish like i saw like pete pete townsend's board once i was i got to go before they played at the who or the, the who played at at the united center uh, and i've seen him a couple times because i used to be friends with um their guitar tech who sadly passed away from cancer last year sad story great guy though Alan Rogan, uh, absolute legend. He was like a tech for like Who and the Rolling Stones and oh, all these bands. Like oh from like God. basically the late seventies on was oh, with, cool. with one of them. And he just has every story. And yeah, he passed last year. It was really sad. But he I was gracious he was gracious enough to let me go with him. I got to go to wow. the Who. But so I'm on their stage I'm stage and I'm looking at Pete Townsend's pedal board oh, and shit. I say pedal board with the quotes because it's just what's his face? Is uh, it a corn, yeah, uh, Cornish? Cornish right? just made him like this magic, like it almost looks like a toddler, like toy yeah it has really? like it has like, like huge a, buttons it has like stuff. a big rubber button big, i've seen pictures that's of like that. the drive what? like the, the heavy the drive sound there's another one that's like the delay sound there's one that's like his acoustic sound which sounds good he's got a piezo and a strat and they do like oh that's pinball. right and yeah. like, it actually sounds good too like but the whole thing is designed by cornish and it's, it's just a box you know inside of it it's just like magic equipment that's making everything sound sweeter and more perfect mm-hmm. Or whatever. Like that's, and that's what fancy I want. Things. I want this box. It's all blank. dialed in though. Already, everything is in. There's no. You can't see. There's no cables. There's nothing. Dude. It's like a flat surface. It looking. It looks like a toddler's toy that's on an angle and it's like sturdy as fuck. And again, it's just full of like magic. Maybe like a volume pedal or something. Yeah, yeah. No, literally, it's just a volume. Yeah, it's like a volume pedal and then like three big old buttons. <laughs> <laughs> and that's his every tone for I the show. That, and then he, he does so much with the volume control. Yeah. That's what these old dudes. That's why they can get away with having such small boards because they know how to actually use guitars. Exactly. Exactly. they were intended yeah. which we kind of have lost i feel like but yeah agreed. um but anyways i wish that was like my board sort of like just selfishly where it was just like here's like here's the sparkly thing here's like the chimey thing <laughs> without delay here's like the the massive standard rhythm crunch yeah. thing here's like all of it on at once you know and it was just yeah. like, boop, 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 boop. wait did you tell us what your big heavy fuzz pedal is oh yeah you yeah the friedman friedman okay right yeah. all right so oh and here. then i go into yeah. We never, I we have, never finished that. I have an analog delay. I forgot at the beginning. Oh, um, which what analog delay? It's just a shitty little Ibanez one. It's awesome. Oh, awesome! Yeah. Little analog. Little I, one? I got it for like thirty-five bucks. Those it's are great. awesome. Those are cool. Yeah, it sounds incredible. Do you I, just do like a little slap or something with that. Yeah, and I have it like before everything, like the first thing on the board on purpose, so mm-hmm. that I can like do that. You know when you take like the you know it's like the the David Gilmore Echoplex into the into the already driven amplifier mm-hmm. sound everything's all soupy and gross yeah. it's like the opposite of like the crisp clean sparkle delay yeah, exactly i love that sometimes especially for like leads and like whale calls and like just you got to have fucking whale calls Fuck yeah, oh yeah so i have that in the front there which is just every once in a while you click it on and it just sends your water undertone which is <laughs> just i love that and then um but for for, oh, you know, it's no, it's in the same. No, it's before. So after, like, there's a couple drives in a mm-hmm. row, and then there's a big drive, but yeah. splitting, what I call oh. like, was split in between the sparkly guys and then like the big guy. 
gain wise is uh, a phaser and for a while i had the jam pedals ripple which oh, is supposed to be like that. a phase 45 it's like super boutique and mm-hmm. awesome and I, like I just was not i was not happy with the way it sounded just couldn't get it to sound right with like what i had going phase on Phase 45 is not my favorite phase circuit. i love phase 45 it's just the right amount and then i switched over just because i have one i bought it came in used really cheap it's the new standard small electroharmonics uh small stone mm-hmm. oh, yeah. the standard one i plugged it in and i had it on the low setting um set and sweep really low and it's like perfect it's literally the best sounding phaser in my rig i've ever heard and it's like the 60 dollar brand new yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. I've used the vintage small stone a bunch on mm-hmm. recordings, and I should have just known that like I my ear would like that the you newer get used one better because the, the 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 depth of like the two presets, the high and the low. The low, the depth is like magic, perfect, right where it needs to be. It gets slow as hell, which is what I do. I keep it like slow where mm-hmm. you could barely tell it's just making the shit move. Kind of like, like the Van Halen thing a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I don't use it all the time, but that's how I use it. So, so I have to before the heavy drive because I don't want the drive to be going. I want right. it to be like in it, like moving around. Does it do? Does that? Because the only problem I've ever had with phaser pedals, and I think why I stopped using them, is that I no matter which one, they all gave me this perceived volume drop. Yep, they do. It's, it's true. I don't use it in a, the. I use it in our set, very, not not very often, and mm-hmm. only when like one song it's on the whole time, so it doesn't matter. Right. right? Um, and then occasionally for a couple other things, but it's like lead stuff where it's, you know, I've got, you're probably kicking on some other dry yeah, things. Yeah. Anyway you know, I just forgot. I just, I just tweaked stuff recently and I'm just remembering now I have after the Friedman, I have a Beano boost. Oh, okay. And then that thing just does have so much boost on it. That's tab. basically a, like a it's Dallas Arbiter. A, yeah. But none of right? it sounds like that specifically, but it has a low, high and a medium boost. Um, or like, yeah, that's what it means. Or no, no, treble mid and bass boost. Now, oh, mid. I see. Yeah. So I keep it on kind of like the bass because it's. I don't know if it's bass or just full wide range, like right. boosts everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas instead of just focusing on the treble mm-hmm. or just in the mids, it just goes. Poof. So it's just like an overall volume. Do you leave that on, yeah. or does that go on with other that, stuff? That's if I'm if I'm already in the heavy and it's time to play a solo, I click on that. Gotcha. And it actually nice. gives because it's the only way to get any more boost out of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a, a a jam pedals waterfall. What's that? It's their chorus vibrato. It's it's basically uh, I actually prefer the sound of the CE2 and the VB2 on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Waza Craft, I own them both. They're like phenomenal. Best, yeah. best sounding chorus and vibrato. I actually really They're like the VB2 a lot. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. They sound exactly like the old ones. I've owned the old ones and I've gotten rid of them because they're not new pedals and they mm-hmm. suck tone and they don't like power supplies, blah, blah, blah. And they're always worth money and I sell them and make money, right? There you go. Like sometimes you find it, like some guy doesn't know what he has and you get CE2s. It doesn't happen anymore. Back in like the pre-reverb days, exactly. you can just find shit. Thanks, reverb. Right? God bless reverb, but yeah. Great. But so I have, but this thing is basically those two pedals together in one pedal and it's like 95% of the way there. It's really good. And I just use it as a chorus um, as just kind of getting like a Leslie effect. Um, do you do like a, a like a digitally delay or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Then I have uh, uh, the Strymons, the L cap, and the Flint. There you go. Weirdly enough, right now I have them flipped. I have the reverb before the delay. Ooh, I don't know why. Literally, that used to be a question we would ask every no, episode. No, you're, reverb no, in before theory, delay you want, or delay before reverb. In theory, you want it. It just, it just. And I understand that like, you want the the reverb to be the last thing so that it's being affected by mm-hmm. the delay in 
you know. But it can be really fun thinking. delaying some reverb too. Well, here's the thing. When I use the I use the Capistan, I love the spring reverb on the Capistan. Oh, when I use yeah. that, it's never not on with my Capistan. Oh. And so whenever I'm using it, I've already got delay in the back mm-hmm. end. So I put the flint in front of it and do some weird stuff with like, like the, the tremolos. Trim, yeah. And you can, you can, you know, with the under the hood features with all the trim and stuff, you can always like cut and boost. So I like boost the trim and do some weird stuff so that it like really slams the delay, mm-hmm. you know, and just so it just, just, I can do interesting stuff since I don't need, I'm already getting the reverb on the back end with a delay. So I can treat that delay pedal. Like there's so much non, or the, the Flint, there's so much non specifically just reverb traditional that you can do with the Flint if you fuck around with it between like the, like the eighties mode having like infinite or near infinite, like repeats like if you want you could treat it like a synth pad generator i mean you can set like the mix and literally like i've gotten some like incredible like especially if you have the reverb going into the harmonic trim right oh. so instead of the tram going it's like the reverb is hitting the tram and then everything's being real focused like you know what i mean like it's just i do yeah the order yeah. if you mess with it you could do some wild stuff with the flint so i treat it like my like special effects box and i rarely i never use the reverb on it okay you know Man, that's 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 one of the amazing things about those Strymon pedals and, and the Flint in particular. Everyone switch. loves it. Gotta have the favorite well, we switch. Have the favorite switch. I have like a I have like a click it and magic happens thing. <laughs> so so that I, anytime I want a set, I go it goes yeah. like, and then it just like makes this ambient oh. thing that like I can just hit a hit a chord and then leave it alone and then like tune my guitar while right. it's doing fun stuff. Kill some dead space. Yeah, it's great. Multitasking right yeah. there, man. Whoa, that was an amazing tour through your your tone, your tone journey. Remind us, when is this, when is the show that we're going to? I'll be Wednesday, there. Dave's going to be there. Wednesday, when is that January 22nd, Lincoln Hall. Doors are at, you know, whenever you get off work. Whenever you get off, come have, come have a cocktail just, just or two. Over. Lincoln Hall is such a beautiful place, and it sounds so good. You know, it, it, just sounds it might good. be my favorite place in Chicago to, to, to see a show. Well, it's the right size for, like, any show. You get lucky enough to see bands that are way too big do yeah. it for special occasions. It's like like one of my supreme joys in life when it's like, oh, Wilco's doing like a one-off. Yeah. You're, you're like, yes. Mm-hmm. Like the Lala after party. Oh yeah. yeah. Like I've seen like so many bands where you're like, you know, yeah, like, like local natives I saw there. Oh, sweet. Oh yeah. Where it's like a band where now you're going to see them in a larger place, but seeing them and being able to hear them like that. Can close. you imagine be having seen the stones when they did play the double door? No, dude. Like I think about that almost every day. Double door. I don't even want to talk about it. It makes me sad. Yeah. I played double door. Yeah. That, that green room was like legendary. Mm-hmm. And, and now and then they turn the whole downstairs into like a bar too. Which it's was like yeah. nothing. Now it's a Yeti store. Yeah, they're Which, gonna open it. Well, the double door is opening again, but it's like up on that's Will, what they Wilson keep Yards saying. Or something, right? If it doesn't have two entrances, you gotta get out. It's just yeah, the do- it's just the door. There was a place in Grand Rapids, Michigan, when I was younger. It was called the Intersection because it was a venue on the intersection. Right, and they like moved it and kept the name, but it was like this big, just rectangular warehouse type of thing uh-huh. that was like technically on an intersection, but it wasn't. It's not the same. Yeah, it was close enough that you can get away with the yeah. name. The double door, like you can't call it the double door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't have like two distinct entrances or exits or whatever, if it doesn't have it already, they have to build it or I won't show up. <laughs> That's a total lie. I'll still go. Yeah, dude. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, no problem. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, this was talking fun. through that oh, stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely do all sorts of, of pushing on that show before it comes out because we're stoked for it. The record's awesome. Everyone go listen to it. It's self-titled. It's on Spotify. And yeah, it's on all the things. And come to the show because it's going to be awesome. And I'm super stoked to hear that. Yeah, it's going to be great. Rig. Please come hang out. It'll be fun. It should be a good show. It's going to sound real good at the very least. And uh, oh, we got some friends playing with us too. So it's not just straight three piece. We've got, cool. you, you know, you Nick do. Stankus. Oh, I, I'm Chicago. aware of who he's he is. He's a good buddy. 
of ours. Nick's going to be, um, he's a couple songs. He'll be doing some bass and some guitar. Um, just for certain things we want to have fleshed out. And then, uh, I another, love when bands do oh, that. Oh, another friend of ours. Yeah. Another friend of ours, Matt Margie, Matt Margison, Margie boy is going to be doing a, He's a really great drummer, percussionist. He's gonna be doing some auxiliary percussion oh, stuff. Yeah. Rad. It might be some cowbell. I think there's cowbell, legitimately. And if not, uh, I encourage everyone to bring their own cowbell. Bring your own cowbells. Yeah. BYOC. I mean, <laughs> what they say. Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. A cowbell is a cool thing. It's like a banjo, though. It's like it can get real. Oh yeah. Real it, annoying. Real they cut fast. through a mix. Real good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow, a banjo cowbell only band. Dude, I, that I might kind of like it. Yeah, but also if the cowbells might be the were, worst or if they were tuned. Ever. The cowbells were tuned, so tuned? it was almost like the yeah. glockenspiel, oh, but like cowbell good. tone. Yeah, that would be. Dude, that'd be like an assault on your frontal lobe. That would hurt. Like, yeah. I could take mm, approximately thirteen seconds of that <laughs> yeah. before I'd give up. But <laughs> I would enjoy those it's a 13, long thirteen seconds. seconds. Come to the show. It won't have any cowbell, or maybe a little bit, <laughs> a little but bit. not too much. No banjos. Yeah, no banjos. All right, good hang out with you guys. All right, thanks, Joel.